Damn, son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 13 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Big Ben's Drops. What's up, Playboy? And I am joined here by one of my nearest and dearest friends, DeMarcus, a.k.a. Nigga Marcus, a.k.a. Close Contacts, a.k.a. Easy Money. Time out, time out. Close contact. Yeah. You know, Des Bryant being on the field, warming up, no mask on, around all the other Ravens, gets pulled off of the field to retake his COVID test, ends up positive. How is there no close contact? I understand in the past 24 hours since the Cowboys-Ravens game, there's been a bit of a controversy about this. Based on everything I know about COVID and the, the protocols, uh, somebody on that team was a close contact. And someone else on that team certainly has a little of this pandemic going around. (laughs) Um, I I know we talked about this a little bit in COVID concussions on last week's episode, but the Ravens had like four strains of COVID going through the facility. They caught three of them. One went wild. They, you know, punished a strength and conditioning coach for not following mass protocol. So I got to think there are going to be more outbreaks among the Ravens and other NFL teams in the coming the last four weeks of the season. Okay. Okay. You know, how do you feel? Dez got on Twitter. He was pretty emotional after getting pulled, said he's done for the rest of the season. Dez is too emotional. He's not done for the rest of the season. COVID is not going to end his season. It's a probably one to two week thing for most young, healthy players. He's going to be fine. He should play the last two games of the regular season easily and probably a playoff game. This is a team that's probably going to make a playoff. Well, you know, this is kind of Dez's game. He had it circled on his calendar. He felt like the Cowboys did him dirty. Did him dirty He was on the field. He was on the field warming up for his his revenge game. Did him dirty how? Look, honestly, I feel like y'all was real loud and messy with the way you handled the Dez Bryant parting situation. Loud. Look, the man can't run routes. He can't get separation. He had his own baggage and drama, and there are lots of reasons why they released him. There was nothing dirty about that. What what was wrong was the way he was put on the field every weekend because he couldn't get separation. Wow. Okay. Cowboys Nation, you hear that? Apparently, he didn't catch it. Oh, that. Oh, that was that was peak days. After that, that after that, everything after that was it was going downhill. That though, if that had stood because it, it was on the field called as a catch and should have been a catch and he caught it and the nfl has since changed the rules to ensure that that exact play would be a catch in 2020 anyways i digress uh-huh. um that's peak des he still couldn't run routes then but tony Romo would still throw it up to him and be like just just go jump and get it and he still had a lot more for his athleticism but once he had little nicky necky injuries he had a, a broken bone in his foot he had an ankle he had this he had that Lost a step, wasn't quite this. It was already kind of going downhill in his career. We'll move on past the Des Bryant hate. I get it. Uh, (laughs) Hate? I wish him the best, but it it is what it is. I could watch tape. It don't sound like it, but let's, you know, keep it moving. NBA's about to start up soon. We're into training camp. Things are ramping up. Right now, I'm thinking about who's going to be the comeback player of the year. Right now, I'm thinking we got Steph. We got KD. We obviously got John Wall. Who's going to be your pick here? Where would you put the money at? 
Um, start off, I would go Katie and and John Wall. Um, though that being said, I think Katie will win it. I think Katie um, has had almost 18 months to come back from his Achilles injury. I think he's going to be fully healthy. I think even then, Steve Nash is going to uh, watch his minutes and make sure he is not you know overdoing it. But I think Katie's game in particular is not dependent on his athleticism in the same way that John Walls is. So even if Katie's a little less athletic, he's still going to pull up and hit it in your face from 30. He's still seven feet tall, still has a huge, huge, super long wingspan. And John Wall has been out for a long time. He's had a couple of injuries, and uh, his game is dependent on his athleticism. And so I think even if John Wall comes back, plays with Harden, and plays well, his numbers will be down from what they were, partly because of injury, partly because James Harden is a ball hog. And I don't know. I'm feeling John Wall. This feels like a little bit of an Alex Smith-esque situation where the man has just been out of the game for so long, seeing him come back, seeing him compete. And even if he averages like, what, let's say 15 points instead of the 20-something we used to understand John Wall as, I feel like it's going to be kind of hard to not give it to him. Yeah, I think a lot of it, if he does get it, will be about the story and we all know the NBA loves their storylines. Um, so it'll be between, you know, how good is the John Wall story, especially if what, what if Houston just goes to hell in the next six months, and or, you know, how good is the Kevin Durant story? Are the Brooklyn Nets a top seed in the in the East? You know, that kind of thing. If that is what happens, KD will get it. If the the Rockets go down and Wall's playing well or he's playing decently and they're in the in the hunt, he'll get it. You know, let's get into the show. <laughs> We have an exciting show for you all today. We are going to get into a crazy story about a high school football player attacking a ref and getting arrested. Give you the full fly route on the Houston Rockets and James Harden holdout drama. Introduce our new segment, Bye Bye Bye, and let you know if we're buying or selling stock in these NFL franchises. And give you another iteration of our Take the Blame segment as we dive in on some controversial comments Paul George made about the Clippers coaching last year. Welcome to the tea off. Ooh, spill that tea, sis. This is how we like to start off our show. We like to spill some tea on some of the crazy situations our favorite athletes get themselves into. However, today we have a little bit more of an under-the-radar story. This one was listener-submitted. I want to give a shout-out to Kyle, a.k.a. Kaijo, for putting this one on our radar. And man, am I glad he did. So, December 3rd. You know, a little bit over a week by the time you all will hear this, a Texas high school football player at Edinburgh High School named Emmanuel Duran attacked a 58-year-old referee named Fred Garcia after getting into it over an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that he received that ultimately got him removed from the game. Which is kind of funny that you then respond to the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty with more unsportsmanlike conduct. <laughs> and this all happened on the same play i mean if i am an outside observer who's not seen video of this incident by the way which i have oh the video is bad then 
I'm still going to agree with the ref because the guy is obviously unsportsmanlike. <laughs> so it happens on a play. He hits the quarterback late and he gets, you know, an unnecessary roughness penalty. Then he starts jawing at the ref, going back and forth with him. The ref is like, I don't know what you think this is, bro. You like 18 uh, unsportsmanlike penalty. Get out of here. So then, you know, he starts walking off of the field and then he starts trying to turn around. And some of his teammates and coaches are trying to pull him back. And, you know, defensive end hits him with a little elusive step <laughs> and charges at the referee and clean knocks him off of his feet. Yeah, he did the hold me back, but he wasn't playing. And um, he's just dirty. Like, I know this is probably a kid somewhere, but this kid is dirty and should not be allowed to play Texas high school football ever again. Yeah, it was tough. He's a... He's a senior. He was a defensive lineman. He's 225 pounds, probably six and some change. Huge dude. Huge dude. And the referee was knocked off his knocked off his feet, hit the floor, hit the field hard, ended up getting taken to the hospital, rushing an ambulance, had a shoulder injury, was seen for a concussion, and the police ended up having to escort Duran off of the field. And while they were escorting him off of the field, you see him turning back and he's still talking his shit. I mean, this sounds like assault and battery. Uh, <laughs> you and the police would think the same. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprising. He was charged for assault and put in jail. He was, you know, released on about a $10,000 bond. And it was kind of insane because he still could go to jail for this. And this is a kid like, it's weird because he's 18 years old. Like when I originally saw the headline, I was like, it's a high schooler. I don't really care. But when I saw the video, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> y'all got to see this video because <laughs> that's not some shit that I thought I would see. And think about it. If this kid was good enough to get a scholarship, he ain't getting it now. He can kiss that goodbye. And that's the right thing. I get that you're a kid, but somehow millions of other kids play high school football every single year. And almost none of them ever do this. Yeah, I mean, he was the defensive player of the year for the district last season. This season, he had 102 tackles and eight sacks. He's a three-sport athlete. He also has like a 44-8 and eight record in wrestling. Was, was far and away what people thought was going to be the wrestler of the year in the district. Also plays soccer. And you would say, okay, damn, someone that's this ingrained into sports, you kind of know better. There's a code of conduct, the way that we... like behave on the field and the fact that we represent ourselves as well as a team of people. So like this sucks because the district removed the entire school from the playoffs, everybody. So they were supposed to make the playoffs. They were actually doing very good this year. None of them get to play in the playoffs anymore. They're just completely removed. I think the punishment for this has to be harsh to let anyone who doubted what would happen to them if they did this know the punishment will be swift and severe and it will be such that your group will be punished. So your entire school now, cause it's Texas and they probably, it's not a, it's not, it's not near a big city. I don't think. So they probably love some football, some Friday night lights. It don't matter where you are in Texas. The it, whole little town's going to be mad at you. High school football just fucking matters in Texas. You're not going nowhere. You need to stay at home, go to, go to your classes and go straight home. But also imagine being this kid's parents either you know drop them off for the football game or he's at after school 
and you get a call from the police that are like, uh, ma'am, we have your son. I'd be like, what? He's not a minor neither. No. He's, te- he's 18. Even though, like, you know, you're 18 and you're a kid because you're stupid when you're 18, legally. If he want to hit the ref, he can get it how he live. Yeah, it's fucked up. And, like, he blindsided the dude. Dude did not see it coming. No, I mean, and most of these refs are people who are former teachers or coaches or, you know, people who just like this, like the game. And a lot of them do it for almost nothing. Exactly. The UIL was like, this is really difficult because with all the COVID shit that happened, like about a third, maybe a fourth of like their refereeing staff opted out. So like, and these people don't really get paid anything. So this guy is just like there to make something work for kids. And like, they do it for the love of the game. Exactly. And that's just super fucked up. The, and it's crazy because you said, you know, millions of students play high school football every year and, you know, almost none of them do this. Almost is the key word. He's quite literally like one in a million. Uh, Almost is the key word. And almost is even the key word for Texas. Apparently, this is not the first time this has happened in Texas. And in 2015, two players from John Jay High School committed a similar act and were banned from the UIL sports for like period of time. So, you know, like if this kid still had eligibility and wasn't a senior, he probably wouldn't get to play anymore. He's been removed from all other sports so far for the rest of the year. And it's even crazier. This is the even crazier part. This is not the first time this kid has done something like this. No, dead ass. Apparently, and, he did something well, well, similar let's hold before. Up. You, you, you did the research. said he's 18, right? Yeah, he's 18. This grown ass man in high school. Um, needs to stop assaulting people and take some anger management classes. I would suspect if this gets in front of a a, a judge, the judge will order him to take lots of anger management classes. Because lucky. There's something, I mean, in addition to other things, but there's obviously something going on here. If he repeatedly gets angry enough at referees at high school football games and soccer games to assault people, either verbally or physically, it doesn't matter which one. Apparently, he was suspended for the rest of the 2019-2020 soccer season after he did something similar in a match during 2019 and then somehow still played this season of football. So, like, it's kind of like, I'm not saying you're asking for it, but I am saying the Texas Association of Sports and the UIL probably should have came down a little bit harder the first time because the second time it became national news. I mean, that's why you got to be swift and severe and you got to hold the line. Hmm. Hold the line. And that was your tee off. Ooh, spit that tea, sis. Let's get into the fly route for today. James Harden and the Rockets, you know. Someone might say it's a rocket meeting a hard place, but you know, nigga, that was corny. Yeah, hoes like corny shit, nigga. Okay. Yeah, look at you. Look at you not even knowing the game. You gonna be all right? No comment. Ah, uh, yeah, I stay no comment over there. You. <laughs> <laughs> look, James Harden is making this a mess. He's did like a little bit of an NBA holdout because NBA players can't really hold out, right? Their contracts don't actually start until they report. But, you know, 
the team was supposed to be practicing starting the camp. And even before that, they were supposed to be quarantining. The NBA had guidelines and, you know, the protocols, which I'm sure we will talk a lot about and about players not really following them like they should. All the players were supposed to be only at home doing essential activities like getting groceries or at the facility practicing, right? James Harden missed the beginning of training camp and practice because he was first at Lil Baby's 26th birthday party, killing it in the club, showed up with the Prada bag that was worth 300K. You know what it is? I heard it was Dior. Mm, I heard it was Prada. Who knows? I heard it was Prada, and a little baby said he got me a Prada bag because he proud of me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just kind of hot. He going to put that in the track. That's corny, but you could say hard and acting like a little baby. Uh, uh, I, I don't, see, you keep saying it's corny, and I keep telling you this shit's hot. But and inside of the Prada bag with some honey buns, you know, honey racks in that bitch, and a 200K Richard Millie was in that bitch. And I bet you this one was real. I think the most important part of this that you have not mentioned was that James Harden was not wearing a mask and neither was anyone else at this party. Oh, no. You know, like who who wears a mask at the strip club, nigga? Come on. I mean, not Lou Will. Look, this ain't no Lou Will shit. And even worse, apparently after doing this, he then went to Vegas. Went to Dre's nightclub, turned up there as well. No mask on, doing it big. And you mentioned Lou Will. And I need to let you know. This ain't no Lou Will. This ain't no Daniel House. He was not hiding. Lou Will oh, got no. caught up. James, James Harden got, posted. James Harden posted this on Instagram himself. Exactly. He wanted He's just throwing a tantrum. He wanted everyone to know where he was. And I don't know if I want to say this is him throwing a tantrum. You remember the first time we did like a little preview of us getting around to this conversation? Yes. And the Rocket said, "Look, we are willing to get very uncomfortable." James Harden showed up and said, who's uncomfortable now, nigga? Well, listen, whether or not, we all know, we've all heard the reports, James Harden wants a trade out of Houston. He is unhappy or was unhappy with Russell Westbrook and is now as equally unhappy with the organization for whatever reason, whether it was that they botched the whole Westbrook Chris Paul thing whether it was they hired Steven Silas without consulting him so I think he wanted Ty Lue but they couldn't get him was what I heard quite frankly just could not for Tito wanted Van Gundy and Harden was like you better fucking not so then they were just like well meet in the middle of Steven Silas I think he's a good pick for this 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 job you know what I have a real big problem with the narrative that's going around right now that like James Harden owes Steven Silas his career and to be like un- like James Harden should be unsatisfied, should sacrifice, etc. Because Steven Silas is a first time black head coach and first time black head coaches do not get the opportunities that they should. Well, my I thing is like narrative. James I, Harden is not responsible for all you motherfuckers being racist, period. No, not at all. But also Silas is just a qualified candidate, black or not. I'm just saying, they're like, a black guy finally gets a chance. It's so hard for them to get a chance. It's his first time around, and now James Harden is throwing a tamper tantrum and wants to leave. He wanted to leave. He should not owe his career in the twilight of his prime to this guy because they don't get many opportunities. They don't get many opportunities because you motherfuckers is racist, and you do not see them as being valuable head coaches, and even when they do good jobs, you still fire them anyway, Indiana Pacers. The thing here is, I'm not even sure Harden and Silas have talked since he got the job. 
Like he Harden has not even given the guy a chance. Like he doesn't know if he's good or not. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to. He sees the roster around him and he goes, "This is a no for me." I get that. Players have liked coaches, looked at the roster around them, and said, "This is a no for me." Jimmy Butler in Minnesota loves Tibbs. Oh well, that the, I mean, that and was, he said, that "This was is a no shit. for me." The the people around me ain't got no dog in them. That that was true. Okay, <laughs> he feels like the James Harden feels like the people around me ain't winners. Well, I think. That's certainly part of it, but also the organization themselves have deconstructed a team that was, some would say, a Chris Paul hamstring away from the making the NBA Finals. Now, I wouldn't say that, but in Harden's eyes, well, well I'm going to be honest. Hey, I get it, Warriors fan. In, in Harden's eyes, they got rid of Ariza. You know, they uh, the Chris Paul thing didn't end up working out for whatever reason. I would love to investigate that more in that relationship. But they end up getting Westbrook, and when they got Westbrook, it wasn't quite going as well. So, like, we got to get rid of Ariza to make Westbrook fit. They got rid of Ariza, and then Harden is like, uh, I'm kind of out on Westbrook now. He my dog, but this is never going to work. Well, they felt like they were out on each other. Don't put that on James. Oh, okay. Both sides certainly true. were like, we do not play well together. Our games do not mesh. We do not want to play together. It was not Fair. just James Harden. Fair. They both came to that conclusion. But... From the whole perspective is the team has constantly tried to do everything they can for the most part around Harden, except for the like, really like the last 18 months. And he shouldn't be this upset with them. How much do you think d- losing Daryl Morey is a part of this? They have no general manager anymore. Um, think about it. Daryl Morey told them that he wanted to take a break away from basketball, take a gap year. I don't, then- I don't think that was true. Well, clearly it's not true because he immediately hopped over to the Sixers in a week. Well, I even said it before. I t- this was all about Mori and Fertitta bu- bu- bumping heads and Fertitta being a, a, a cheapskate. So the genius that can put shit together for you, make you a champion, but needs to spend the money to do so, ends up being ends up ousting himself. The head coach that you think is a genius, can play around you, has maximized your talent, basically runs himself out of town. I don't give a fuck what you put around James Harden over the last half decade. You lost the GM and the coach that he had 100% faith in. He is more than reasonable to want out. See, I don't think so. You sign a contract. The team has done right by you. Yes, they got rid of the coach. Well, the coach was partially. They didn't get rid of the coach. He ain't want to beat her no more. Um, A little bit of both. Part of the reason he didn't want to be there dates back to last offseason. When Fertitta was making public comments about his contract negotiations, essentially Fertitta did not want to pay him what he thought he was worth and what he deserved after what he had done in Houston. And they butted heads. And that made the coach not want to be there. This I'll say Why is that relevant to the way Harden feels? This goes all the way back to the owner. Point blank period. Okay. This is about really at its core. Every issue that they're having right now is the owner not wanting to spend money. he said he was willing to get uncomfortable. And what's more uncomfortable than a COVID firestorm? already uncomfortable. Right before. He about this close from bankruptcy. He already uncomfortable. All I'm saying is what's more uncomfortable than a COVID firestorm right before training camp? That being said, I think this is a bad precedent. Oh, it's a terrible precedent. Like, you should not let NBA superstars bully their way out of teams with multiple years left on their contract. I think it's even bad with one year left. I think even what AD did was ridiculous because he could have waited a year. The Lakers could have gotten him without giving up any assets, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, but the, the, that, the, that's worse for the 
Pelicans. The exactly. They're just being stubborn. If you know they want to leave, trade them. Stop being stubborn. It's in your best interest to trade them. The Kyrie thing is the closest parallel to this because Kyrie had multiple years left on his deal. He was even younger than Harden. The only differences in that situation are that they had already won a championship in Cleveland and their superstar player or their star player, LeBron James, was at least there and healthy for another year. In Houston, you have a little bit more of an unknown in that you've got another a secondary star now. You've got John Wall. So you're going to be able to fill up the arena or whatever happens when we get back to normal. But Harden is beloved in Houston. And the, the fans will not be happy if you trade Harden. And Harden, with multiple years left, on a team that is definitely a playoff team, and with maybe if they're finding a way to get a piece or two, I don't know how, right? That is like it's not it's not like he's playing in Charlotte, right? It's not like he's just out of the playoffs, irrelevant, completely out of it every year. He's mad because he can't get over the hump of the second round, really, of the NBA playoffs. Look, I'm with you. James Harden then submitted himself to the testing. He showed up. He reported a couple of days late, but who knows? And now he has to register six consecutive negative coronavirus tests before returning to group workouts, according to the NBA protocols. So he, by not showing up and doing the most ridiculous things possible, he has kind of extended his holdout without actually having to not report Mm -hmm. because now he's gone and away from the team for even longer the way the protocols work Hopefully he's at least at his house in Houston. Uh, During this waiting period. Well, we don't know what he's doing in Houston while he's in Houston, but he, he might have strippers at his Houston. house. Who knows? I mean, almost. I can actually probably guarantee that man probably has strippers in his house right now. Right now, I mean, or at least a stripper. I, I would guarantee there have been strippers in his house. I would not be surprised if there was a permanent pole in his house somewhere. I would not either. That is that is that is <laughs> that is actually extremely fair. That is extremely fair. Okay, so where are we at now, Demarcus? What do they do? Yeah, what's the fly route? I think Houston stays real uncomfortable. I say have this blinking game with James Harden. And inevitably for James Harden's own pride, he's going to go out there. He's going to suit up and he's going to score points for you. The Rockets should not trade him for two reasons. We already talked about the bad precedent thing. It's a terrible precedent. And like I told you a month or two ago, when they go back to the table to negotiate the CBA with the NBA and the NBA players, the owners are not going to be happy about all of the the players, Kyrie, uh, um, um, AD, and Harden trying to force their way out of situations like this. And they're going to probably build in ways for owners to more severely punish these stars. But secondly, there is not a good trade out there for Houston. Houston cannot get a comparable star to Harden back in that trade. Any star they receive is going to be a step down or they won't get any stars whatsoever and they're going to get a bunch of pieces and that has never, ever, ever worked out in NBA history where a team trades a superstar for pieces and draft picks and have gotten better or ended up finding another superstar. And so I think any trade for Houston is almost certainly going to be bad and they will lose that trade. Okay. Here's where I'm at. I do agree that they're not going to get Harden's value back for Harden. You never will, right? That is that is obviously fair. But I do think several teams have parried making these type of trades into strong berths for them. My main, my the one I really think about is the Pacers. What the Pacers got back for Paul George was worth it. Now, well, I think that's only true because what we think about Paul George today. 
Uh? If he were on the trajectory that he was on before his catastrophic injury in the was it like Olympic pregames or trials or something or it was something with Team yeah USA. but he was on the Pacers when that happened and he was he still was, on the Pacers after that right he came back after that and was he comeback player of the year or something like that did really well but the trajectory he was on before that was you know they were already on their way down as a team when that happened to Paul George and so they had been to the second round against the Heat they had pushed the Heat to was it six or seven games. Paul George looked like he was a rising superstar in this league and going to be a perennial favorite to be in the Eastern Conference Championship Series every year. And that was not what this was. The The Pacers, as we know, slowly went downhill. They got to the first round and got kicked out, I think, the next year. Or no, they got back, played the Heat again, and it wasn't close. Yeah, but it, how and, close was and it so really the first time? When they, when they traded him, I think his stock was a little bit down compared to where you would say Harden stock is. Even though Harden hasn't gone further, I don't some would say that's not Harden's fault. I would argue it it partly is. It has to be um based on his performance in the playoffs and Agreed. the kind of offense they run. But I think Paul George's stock was lower than Harden's when he got traded and because of that and I think it's stayed essentially the same <laughs> since then, you know, he's had bad play performances in his one year in OKC in the playoffs, and then wasn't too, and we're going to talk about this, wasn't too hot um, in his first year with the Clippers in the playoffs. And so both of those things combined have kind of soured our our, our our viewpoint on Paul George's trajectory and made his stock lower versus James Harden is still in the middle of his prime. He is one of the three, poss- I, I think a strong argument can be made, he's one of the three best offensive players in NBA history. I do not doubt that at all. Which and is why I think you will get back a haul for James Harden. I would hope so. What what kind of haul do you think them getting back? What's your best trade? So here's where I'm at. I get it. The fly route for you is to not trade James Harden at all. Absolutely. At all. Here's well, not um, at least not this year for sure. Here's where I'm at. The fly route is to make the best trade that you can for Harden. The longer you hold out, the more possibilities open up. So I do agree. You don't have to rush a trade before the season starts. And it's probably not the best way to get your return. So I agree you don't rush it, but you also need to start getting James Harden a little bit under control. So if you're willing to be uncomfortable, it's time to do it, Mm -hmm. which means that you set the standard and find him the maximum amount of money you can for every day of training camp that he missed. Oh, they're going to do that anyway, I think. You you would hope so. Does Tillman Fertitta seem like the bastion of reasonability and effective guidance here? No, which is exactly why he's going to do it. <laughs> because it is, despite it being literally nothing to James Harden, he spent more than they're going to find him on Lil Baby's gift. <laughs> he's still going to do it because it's petty. It's his one of his only ways to get back at Harden. And, and I'll, I'll add in that in most cases where a player holds out, when they eventually show up, their fines are forgiven. The team doesn't actually make them pay them. But in this case, I don't think that's going to happen. I think for every day that Harden misses because he has to be at home getting a COVID test, Fertitta is going to make sure the team finds him. Okay. I'm, I, I think they should. So I think I hope he does. I think that's the only way to kind of set the precedent for how you want to handle it. However, there's a chance that Harden bucks the fine just because he's angry at it and it gets even worse. Oh, he can't buck it. They, they cut the checks. Like, they take it right out. 
Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? He can't escape it. He can challenge it. Oh, no. He could just go back to Atlanta, nigga. The fuck you be? <laughs> um, but here, what I want to hear is you think they're going to trade him, or they should trade him at some point during the season. Sounds like before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. What's that scenario look like? Here's, here's where I'm at. So you're right now in a situation where because of Harden's current value, teams are salivating at the opportunity. But because of the way this is going around publicly, teams are going to try to lowball you. Are we on the same page on that right now? I agree and would add him kind of saying what teams he would like to go to or not go to also hurts. It does. But to be fair, as the season, as time and the season moves on, that's probably a restriction that gets loosened. It has to. If Houston has, if Houston's going to be on the winning part of having leverage and whatever deal happens. And James has to realize if he wants to get the best out of this, he has to stop acting a fool publicly so Houston has more leverage. But also, many players have said where they wanted to go and went other places. Kawhi. Paul George. Up, Paul George, exactly. So I don't think it really matters that he said he wanted to go some, somewhere. Like, a team will trade you regardless because they don't really care if you're happy when, when you get there. They just care about the players they get back. So... Here's where I'm at. I think that the biggest one that people are talking about is the Nets, but I'm not really feeling that in particular. Mm-mm. But I don't see it happening and, on paper either. And the only way that I see that really happening is if like the chemistry on the Nets is just atrocious and they can't figure it out and they're kind of slugging along. They're like fifth seed, you know, around there, fourth seed, and then they feel like we got to make a move, Right. I can see, so that's why I think you wait, because something weird like that can push the Nets into making a better trade for you. I think the better one and where a lot of the smart money is, right? Well, like you showed me something about Bill Simmons recently saying this, and I've been saying this for a while. As soon as Daryl Morey got rid of Al Horford, that meant if you're a believer that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid cannot play together, the person that's leaving is Simmons, not Embiid. Or you just don't get rid of Horford at that point. So I think structurally, even though everybody in Philly is saying, oh, we want to see them work together, et cetera, et cetera. All right, all right, we'll see. But I think Simmons for Harden and then picks. You get some picks. You maybe get like a extra player who's a fine rotational piece. And then you hope that Ben Simmons fully flourishes into the point God that we all believe he can be and maybe eventually develops a shot. And you just got to be happy with what you get back from there. Hopefully those picks, you know, allow you to get some depth on the back end. You might get a pick swap or two. Because I imagine, like, you can get Ben Simmons in two first rounds and maybe a pick swap or two. Oh, it should it should at least be Ben Simmons, a couple of first rounds, and a couple more. Like, it should be an absolute haul. Like, they, but that ain't going to happen. Let me tell you why. Why? Who is Houston negotiating with in this trade? Look, I get it. Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey, who I don't think is going to do them any favors. It's not a favor. Oh, absolutely not. But he is going to give up as little as possible to get Harden so that he then has has enough assets still to make that team better. We know that Morey is a willer and diller. Which is why I don't think he gives up a bunch of players, which is why I think he's more willing to give up a bunch of future things like picks, pick swaps, et cetera. Well, Houston certainly needs them because they traded a bunch away for uh, Westbrook. Exactly. So, which is why I'm just like, look, I feel like that's what he does. It keeps the team intact. 
right? And the team that he's put together right now is like a, uh, honestly, a championship roster. I'm not afraid to say that. So this is what I think. You wait a little bit longer. You can kind of see how other things start to play out around the league and other people may start to become available because of that, right? And I think that that is the smartest way to go. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Right? You see, who knows? Maybe they start thinking, oh, we can maybe get rid of one of these players in Boston. Our backcourt is a little Ooh. is a little crowded. I So this is where I come in. I think if they do it, they do it next offseason, almost like a pre-free agency sale. Because there are some bigger free agents coming up in 21. So maybe a team thinks, hey, if I can package this with that and maybe get a trade for James Harden or like a, get a, some kind of three-team ten, three deal going where sign and trade or some kind of thing like that where Harden will sign an extension, get traded to someone. That way they have him locked up and someone else, you know, everybody eat. I think it should be not this season whatsoever. I think wait till next offseason and almost treat it like a free agent where you're going to get something back. I just don't know if you want to wait an entire season because a disgruntled superstar like Harden that's willing to do something like go to the go to Vegas in a little baby's birthday party during camp and devastate team chemistry like that can really put you in a long term worse position with the culture that you're trying to set under a new head coach. So I think it's just like the waiting it out makes sense if you're trying to like wait for higher value, but trying to wait through the season. I don't really know if you want to do that. James Harden has made a statement. And I think the Rockets should say, fuck you. You signed a contract. You're going to play out or you're not getting your money. But that's my final out. He can act up all he wants. Like if he decides to be on the court for games, they will give him that money. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Well, he's going to he's going to go out there. He's going to play well. You say part of the season. I say the whole season because James Harden still cares about his stats. Oh, I, I think James Harden is way more likely to do stuff like, oh, you know, in between games, go off and do something. What? Go to the strip club? Something that there he was already do. accusations that he did that kind of thing. Yes. But now he actively cannot do that without creating a hold on his ability to play because of the NBA protocols. That's what I'm saying. Like regular James Harden antics, especially if he's not bought in, actually have a way higher magnitude this season. Got it. Got it. I would actually love to hear from our audience at home on what they think the fly route is for the Houston Rockets and or James Harden. I am arguing that the Houston Rockets should make James Harden very uncomfortable and that he should play out at least another year of his contract. Tony Playboy over here argues that they should roll the dice. They should trade him sometime before the trade deadline and maximize their trade value. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at the Fly Route Pod. That's the Fly Route for this week. Let's get into our newest segment. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye. All right. This is where we tell you if we're going to buy or sell stock in current NFL franchises and their chances going forward. The first one I'm going to toss at you, DeMarcus, is the New York football Giants. I'm rooting for the Giants. I'm going to buy this. They've looked really great lately the past couple weeks. They got, obviously, huge win last week. I think right now they're leading first in the division. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think this team uh, under Joe Judge has actually looked pretty good considering Shocking. what they have on their roster. And everything the Giants do better means that the Cowboys get a better draft pick. So that's all I'm rooting for. Like we're talking Justin Fields draft pick? Oh, no, 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 no. I think we need O-line and D-line help and some secondary help. But uh, we need to re-sign Dak. I've, I have not moved on that. Dak is our guy. Dak is my guy. Can't wait to buy my new Dak jersey when he gets his new contract. All right. Let's, let's keep it moving. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know if this is selling. I guess I'm still buying, but I know they have a ceiling. I know they're not going to beat the Chiefs. I am a little shocked by the team they did lose to eventually, and I think it could have just been they didn't get up for this team, and the game ended really weirdly for, you know, was it a batted ball? That was an interception. So I'm not selling, but I'm not buying anymore for sure. I am keeping what I have. I know that sounds like I'm not taking a position. You're going to hold? I'm going to hold. You're going to hold? I'm telling you to sell your Steelers stock. Sell your Steelers stock. Like, to be honest, the Steelers team, they looked unstoppable early on in the season. But their wins as of late have been tough to get and not against great teams. This team has not been able to run the ball at all in the last couple weeks. Big Ben is throwing a million times. None of their receivers can fucking catch. And you heard Mike Tomlin telling them, if you don't catch the ball, someone will replace you who will. That is not the message of a coach that is 11-1. No, but more importantly, as the team goes down the stretch in the last month of the season, you want to be trending upward, not downward. You want to go into the playoffs hot. The Chiefs are you know, pulling out wins late. Patrick Mahomes is doing new things. They look a lot more hot right now and have the chance and potential to get hotter before the playoffs start and likely get their first round by. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling like the Steelers actually might be a first-round exit. Very well could be. All right. Anthony Lynn and the Chargers. Oh, I'm selling. Mm. I am selling. It is Black Friday, whatever you want to call <laughs> it. They lost 45-0. to zero. I'm not, I can't remember the last time that I saw a team lose a game this badly to a quarterback who threw for like 70 yards. Okay. Anthony Lynn and the Chargers have the Falcons this week. Do you think if he botches that game, he gets fired? Fired? No. Um, I think in general, the Chargers have been a conservative organization for a long time. And I don't think they fire him. Even if if it's a close game and he loses, no. If he gets blown out by the Falcons, What if he gets the lead and loses it again? There's a chance. (laughs) I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying there's a chance. Okay. Okay. The Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks. Oh, boy. This is actually much tougher. I got to probably say sell. Um, The Seahawks have not looked good over the past month. Um, Russ has been cooking, but he's been burning shit and throwing lots of picks. They have lots of turnovers. Their defense we knew was bad, but their offense has not been consistent whatsoever. Um, Over the last month, they have looked pretty bad, I would say. So they have... Um, you know, lost to the Bills, the Rams, and the Giants in that time frame. If you go back a little bit further, they lost the game to the Cardinals on Sunday Night Football. Over the next four weeks, the the Seahawks have the Jets, the Washington football team, the LA Rams, and the 49ers. And they could easily split and go two and two in those games. Wow. I think they can go three and four. Do you want to put money on that? I think they are going to go three and four. Um, but if they go three and four or win out, they'll be 11 and five, 12 and four. 
which is going to be a playoff team, absolutely for sure. But they need to probably win out because right now, them and the Rams in their division are tied for the lead. And so unless if the Seahawks lose to the Rams, they will likely be a wild card team and not win their division and have a tougher first round matchup. This is where I'm going to tell you that you should be buying low on the Seahawks stock right now. I am still 100% sold. I agree. Russ has not really been cooking the way he was before, but the difference is this team's defense has been so much better. And if you have lost faith in Russell uh, Russell Wilson being able to cook, fine, sell your stock. But I had no faith in this defense and it's shaping up, which means Russell is going to be able to play easier games, more complimentary football, which we all know he can do. Think about it. They lost last week, but their defense held a football team to 17 points in 2020. The league average is 24.7. Defense has been better. I'm not saying I have lost faith in Russ. In fact, I still think they You're can selling your stock. win some games down the stretch, but I don't think they are as, are as good as we thought they were, and he's certainly not an MVP, MVP candidate anymore. I do agree now. The MVP race is really, really It's a two-man race, and I think really one. Are you saying Mahomes or Rodgers? It's Mahomes and Rodgers, but it's Mahomes. And if Mahomes wins this one, I I make a prediction he'll win three in a row, just like Brett Favre did. Three MVPs. So he'll win the next two years? Yes. If he wins this one, he'll win three in a row. Okay. Okay. You hear it here first. All right. Jalen Hurts. You know where I'm at on this. I am buying this. I have been saying the Eagles should bench Wentz for a while now. And even when I was saying that he was bad and Wentz somehow played worse, um, Wentz, uh, part of this is obviously, like you say, the offensive line is bad. There's some play calling issues, et cetera. But Wentz is just on like some of the throws, he is predetermining where he's going to throw the ball. So even when there is an open receiver, he's not throwing it to him or seeing him. And so at this point, there's something going on mentally for Wentz that you cannot have him out there. The team doesn't have faith around him. And when Hertz went into the game last week, the team responded and played better. So I'm buying Hertz. All right. All right. How about the Cleveland Browns? So the Browns are the team I feel the least strongly about in either direction. I have watched a couple Browns games this year. They were floundering. They have now won their ninth game. So that for the first time in a long time, the Browns are going to have a winning record. I told you they'd be 10 and six. Um, what's odd is they don't have OBJ while they're doing this. I think um, they maybe should not have OBJ anymore. I think they well, should trade him. Based on what we've seen, yes. He messes something up about their chemistry on the field. Baker's forcing the ball to him. He shouldn't be. He should be throwing the Landry and their tight ends and running back. Well, also, he should. He just shouldn't be throwing the ball all that often unless he gets a game like he got last week. No, Baker is not the you know drop back 45 times a game kind of quarterback. But if you have no pass rush, he will fuck you up. Right. I'm unsure. I'm a lean toward bye. They've looked good the past couple of weeks. What I'm hearing about them is good. Seems to be a good vibe around the team. They might finally starting to start to be to, to sort of mesh. Um, and this is the right time of year to do that. So let's say I'm a buy. All right. All right. Last but not least, you know, they fucked up the Dallas Cowboys on Tuesday, Thursday night football. The Baltimore Ravens. So despite them fucking up the Cowboys, we all know the Cowboys have no defense. 
Um, even with that being said, they fucked them up on the ground. I want to say the Ravens had 160 rushing yards in the first half. And I want to say over 200 for the game. They had over 300 for the game. 300. They I'm sorry. fucked y'all up. Which is like the second time the Cowboys have done that this season. Like the fifth time they've given up more than 200 yards a game. So the Ravens, who are a running team, should have no problem running it on the Cowboys. And they did not. I want to say the Ravens are top top five in running. Uh, but they are dead last. And I mean dead last in throwing the football. 32nd out of 32. And combined, they are 24th in yards overall. Lamar Jackson's sudden inability. Well, I don't even want to say sudden. But it's not in, sudden. But inability to throw the football, a regression, whatever it has been, is not looking good. The Ravens are going to have to have a strong showing down the stretch to make it into the playoffs. They should, but their division is strong. They have the Steelers and the Browns in their division. And, you know, I'm just not, I'm selling. I'm selling this if it's not clear. Their inability to throw the football scares the shit out of me. And I don't want any part of this team in December and January. I'm not against that. I I honestly think you should probably be selling Raven stock until they get a real wide receiver one. I think Lamar can throw the ball well enough. He made some excellent throws last night against the Cowboys. But mostly scheme open. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks are hitting schemed open throws. True. And to be fair, with a rushing attack like that, if you hit your schemed open throws, you will have somebody on the opposite side of Mark Andrews. You win mm-hmm. a lot of games. Yeah. All right. That was our first iteration of the bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye. Segment. Let us know what you think. We are going to get into our second iteration of the take the blame segment. And this one's actually pretty connected to our first one. We're going to talk about Doc Rivers and Paul George and the fantastic meltdown that the Clippers had in the playoffs last season. So recently, Paul George was on an episode of All of the Smoke. You know, Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes. This is one of my favorite podcasts at this point because the conversations they have with athletes are so good and so candid and we get moments like this where they just speak from the heart from the mind it's not canned which you know a lot of them might be regretting like you remember when boogie oh, yeah. said he might get fired on his day off from the lakers well <laughs> look what happened <laughs> uh, it's like i guess he knew it was kind of coming right so let's start we have a clip or two of paul george speaking about their failings in the playoffs and this was relatively interesting to me here is the first one and then you know the way i was being used i felt like i was you know doc was trying to play me as like a a ray allen or like a jj mm-hmm. redding like all pin downs all like i can do game. it but that ain't my game right mm-hmm. you know what i mean I, I need some flow i need some mixes of, of pick and rolls i need some post-ups all that just different touches you know what i mean and so it it, it was just you know that last season was just hard All right, DeMarcus, what do you think about that? Listening to this is hard. So, Paul George is wrong. The the idea that a star player post-losing and playing poorly in those losses would come out on a podcast and publicly essentially attack Doc Rivers and say, Doc used me wrong the entirety of last year, that what Doc was doing was essentially the reason that we lost. That's that's what I hear out of this, and, and he's wrong. 
he's actually just wrong about how Doc used him. Like, it's the internet. So if you say some shit on the internet, know that everybody on the internet wants to be a professional fact checker. And NBA Reddit are oh, they'll get you. professional fact checkers. They have shown that Paul George was used as the pick and roll ball handler for the most he has ever been used in his career. Just like percentage of his plays. Which means he was not coming off pin downs. He was not coming off curls. This nigga was not J.J. Redick. No, that's absolutely, that's what you said is correct. And Paul George is absolutely wrong. Look, I watched every single minute of that Clippers Maverick series. There were times in which between games, people actually speculated if Paul George was injured. That's how poorly he was playing in that series. And you can't tell me if that is happening that all the blame is on the coach. Now, was Doc going to get blamed for this? Absolutely. That is what you said. Because, and, and I, I said they were, they were going to blame him, that he was going to be their scapegoat for this um, based on this year as well as his history with both the Clippers and in general of blowing leads. And that was what ultimately got Doc. Speaking but, of blowing leads, right? Because Paul Joris has a comment about how they ended up blowing the 3-1 lead. Okay. And I think it's really telling, especially because you thought Doc was the scapegoat for this issue. How tough was it going in and, and having that lead on Denver and then seeing them walk y'all down and, and walk y'all out pretty much? Yeah, it was it was tough because, uh, like, you know, we was confident. We felt like, you know, we was we went up 3-1. Uh, we felt like you know, we're going to win the next one. We lost. We like, cool. We up 3-2. We're going to win the next one. We lost. <laughs> but during that during that whole process, like, we, we never worked on adjustments. We never mm-hmm. worked on what to do differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we just literally having the same shit happen over and over again. So We didn't make adjustments. We didn't do anything differently. The same shit just happened over and over again. He's right. He kept missing shots over <laughs> And over again. Um, I watched that series. Oh, shit. There, especially the last few games, the the offense was was hard to come by for the Clippers at that point. And Kawhi, for the most part, except for Game Seven, and I want to say the second half of Game Six, fourth quarter when they blew the lead. Right. Besides that, Kawhi was was showing up, and Kawhi was like, "I need Paul to show up to close this out. Just one full game to close this out." Now, when you look at Paul's stats over the course of the series, they look okay. But in this instance, the numbers are not telling the whole story. Because if you watch that series, did he play better than he did in the Dallas series? Absolutely. They got on that 3-1 lead somehow. But he played just as poorly as he played well in that first part of that series to blow the lead and lose. And like, what is, what is Doc going to adjust if you can't hit a jumper? That was interesting because Doc Rivers during media day for the Sixers actually responded to these comments. And unfortunately, we don't have the audio for you, but we do have the quote. He says, hey, listen, I enjoyed coaching him. So not a lot to say there. Ty Lue is sitting right next to me. So better hope is not adjustments. It ain't going to be much different. Listen, we lost the game and I think everybody needs to take ownership, obviously, we can do better. Players can play better. So as far as I'm concerned, I'll leave it there. And and Doc, first off, is the bigger person here, as he should be. I would hope so. But Paul should never start at this because everything Doc said is, is true. The adjustments are not going to be different. Paul is going to have to play better next year 
for this to go on. And it's almost, he's deflecting the blame here. This is what I said. And a lot of the theory coming out, especially now, is that the decision to get rid of um, Doc Rivers wasn't just Bomber. Or at least Bomber made the decision, but it was Bomber. It was okayed. By, yeah, but it was it was driven by someone within the organization with some sway saying they didn't like Doc, that Doc needed to go. I it, don't think it was Bomber's original idea. I'm starting to think it was Paul George calling up Bomber and being like, Doc's got to go. And when I said there should be no feasible way, no feasible way that the Clippers blame Doc for this loss and they put Ty Lue, who was next to him coaching the entire time, the number two on that bench in his position if Doc actually did something wrong coaching. Because if, as Paul George said, you go down 3-1, you up 3-1, then you're up 3-2, then you're up 3-3, and then there's no adjustments, where the fuck was Ty Lue? Look, I've been saying this for months now. You have. Where the fuck was Ty Lue? He was right there. Then how the fuck is that nigga the coach? Make it make sense. I was, ooh, DeMarcus, because I'm, I'm hot because you sat here right across whoa, from me whoa, and been whoa. like, no, he's obviously the best man for the job. And I'm like, I told you what would happen. And I was right. Mm. I didn't say it would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> My job's to predict the future, not tell you why it happened. Okay? <laughs> so I told you Doc was going to get fired. I told you they were going to hire Ty Lue. And I told you no there sense. were chemistry issues with this team. And on all three, we agreed I, on the chemistry issue. We agreed on the chemistry, but the other two, I was I was pretty clear. Those were my positions. That is what ended up happening. Now that I've gotten more info, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying this was all Paul George. Look, it, it really does seem like it. So since we are now on the same page that it was all Paul George, I will ask you the question that I asked you when we did our Clippers tee off. Should Doc have swung on Paul George before he left? With this apps now, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you said no before, and I was like, he should have swung on it, or maybe he should have threw a basketball at him or something. I don't know. He should have swung on that something nigga. because this man's out of line on a lot of. There's some personal stuff there between Paul George and Doc. Obviously, mm-hmm. I most NBA people know about this. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was uh, with Doc's daughter, they, uh, cheating on her with the stripper, and got the stripper pregnant. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, they don't ain't nothing. Which is just about as bad as what um, Ramsey did to Golden Tate's sister, but it's yeah, it's yeah, about that, that same level. It, but it's way worse because he has worse kids with yeah, he had kids with Golden Tate's sister already. Both are dirty. We'll, we'll just we'll just say say Ooh. that. But, but then the, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I have to I have to be like Doc, and, and obviously Doc Wooden. He's shown what he would do in that press conference. He's gonna be the bigger person, Fuck all that and be the adult in the room. But as a superstar, Paul George should be the adult. Most superstars would say, if that were LeBron, for example, if that were Steph, if that were a superstar who's won a ring, they would say, "We played poorly. I need to play better. I need to make better decisions." They're not talking about what their coach shoulda, woulda, coulda done. They're talking about themselves, and this tells me everything I need to know about Paul George and the kind of player he is. And I don't think he'll ever be a true superstar. He'll be a really good star. He'll always be Robin and never Batman. We going to leave it at that. Damn. Get your shit off DeMarcus. <laughs> Look, I, you know, I don't like Paul George or as Skip Bayless calls him, George Paul. And he is not worth the trouble at all or the money. 
<laughs> Damn, so you think Kawhi really regrets this Paul he George should. move? He absolutely should. Do you think he should try getting Paul George out of there for James Harden? I don't, you know, I don't think he has to. I think Kawhi can leave next year. Do you, okay. All right, yeah, if he's, can. I think he's going to be unhappy enough with the results. I don't think they're going to do much better this year. People are like, oh, they're going to be better. No, the Lakers got better. They will stomp y'all this year. It's not going to be a competitive series. I think the Clippers are a little bit better. But the Lakers got way better. We'll, we will talk about that probably next week. Probably next week, but I'm just saying I think the Lakers would stomp them. Okay. And so it's not going to go better, and Kawhi will probably leave when it doesn't. Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Bowers Bouquet. Too often in the media, people only want to focus about the negative, salacious things that athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. All right. So this week, we are going to be talking about the third year of what we're going to be calling the Atkins Week of Giving. So this was the third year that Cincinnati Bengals player um, Geno Atkins and his wife hosted their annual Atkins Week of Giving. This Week of Giving is usually held around Christmas, but this year the Atkins decided it was needed to be a little bit earlier. Uh, people needed the help sooner. So as a result, Geno Atkins and his wife Kristen are the recipients of this week's Ballers Bouquet. So this week of giving this year for 2020 was held during the week of Thanksgiving, and they held at least one, if not multiple giving events each day for first responder or first responders, medical professionals, and anyone that was nominated by citizens of the areas that they were uh, serving in. So let me give you the rundown of their schedule and their week of giving to let you know a little bit about what all they did. So on Monday, the Atkins family partnered with Academy Sports and Outdoors to provide 20 underprivileged kids with $5,000 shopping sprees in Athens, Georgia. They also shared a Starbucks barcode on their Instagram stories that Monday morning, encouraging people to grab coffee on them and to keep it going by purchasing one for the person behind them. That's just Monday. On Tuesday, Gino and Kristen uh, provided gift cards and notes to members of the National Guard. I believe it was about 30 families and helped the free store food bank via Zoom calls. Run it up on them Starbucks gift cards. You know, Ashley was excited as fuck for that shit. Run it up. Cause, uh, Double karma. I, I wish I would have seen that. <laughs> uh, on Wednesday, a, they partnered with Honey Baked Ham and packaged Thanksgiving meals that were given to uh, part of that free store food banks job training program. Um, this also included hospital floors and units, dispatch centers and firehouses that worked over the holiday. On Thursday, they delivered dinners to the blood center at Mercy Jewish Hospital as well as 60 honey-baked hams for Thanksgiving for the immunocompromised area of the hospital. On Friday of that week, the Atkins family teamed up with Sleep Number to surprise a family at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital with a Sleep Number 360 smart bed, as well as financial assistance to other families currently at that same hospital. They just running it up. And on Saturday, the Atkins Week of Giving Thanks is capped off with Gino and Kristen giving out autographed jerseys, gift cards, and holiday gifts and financial assistance. They shared all these stories on their social media pages throughout the week. Recipients and other people featured are encouraged to were encouraged to use the hashtag Atkins Week of Giving. 
And if any of you who are listening at home want to have a little bit more faith in our country and the world today, go ahead and search up that hashtag on Instagram at Atkins Week of Giving and check out the great photos from all the giving that was done. Hopefully, maybe that encourages you to give to someone else. But more importantly, while you're there on uh, the Twitter, go ahead and follow us at the Fly Route Podcast so you can get more stories like this that talk about the good that athletes do instead of just as salacious, especially this time of year around the holidays. That's this week's Baller Bouquet. Join us next Friday for the new episode. That was a lot of shit they did. though. <laughs> yeah, nigga, I was surprised. <laughs> shit. All right, all right, all right. I just want to thank everybody, as always, for taking the time out of your days to listen. That's the wrap for episode 13 of the Fly Route Podcast. We appreciate each and every single one of you. We love getting listener submissions like the tee-off we had this week. We are excited to give you episode 14 next week. What's up, Playboy? It's a it's, it's a Playboy affair. Tell me whether or not you think Nigadamas is back in effect. He was obviously right about everything that the Clippers did. Is he right about what's going to happen with the Houston Rockets? Or tell us, do you think if Tony Playboy is correct on the Houston Rockets or, for example, the Patriots who've looked terrible? Let us know. Hit us up. I'm currently Bro, the on debate, track the to debate be is right done. about the, the Patriots. Is, the debate is done. The show's over. Just, just do the outro. I, nigga, you... Oh, I can't stand your ass. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll catch you next week. Friday, we'll be dropping again. Episode 14. Y'all, 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 y'all is Tony Playboy. <laughs>